It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I am Lindsay Ertz. Going to talk today about uh, the state of women in Utah and specifically the state of women in politics in Utah. Now, if you're hearing that and thinking, Uh, It's pretty non-existent. Well, you're not far off, but we have made some strides in the last uh, three or four years. And joining me now, Dr. Susan Madsen, who has studied this very topic with the Utah Women in Leadership Project. They have done research on this in the state to figure out exactly where the female representation is in our uh, federal delegation, which is non-existent, in our uh, local city councils, our mayors, our executive positions, which is one. Uh, So we'll dive into kind of some of all of this data. Uh, Dr. Madsen, thank you for joining me today on The Mom Show. Great to be here again. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, I'm so glad you're with me. Okay, so drill it down. If I was just to ask you, Susan, uh, what's the state of women in politics in Utah? How would you describe that to me? Well, first of all, we did our first report on this topic in 2014, then we did it 2017, and now this is our third one. And we really do these because when you look at how you change in society, how do you move forward? You have to know where you're at. And so that's one of the reasons I also do this, Lindsay, to make people uncomfortable. Because what what the research is clear about when you're when you're feeling really comfortable in society and so forth, you don't want to change. But the whole point is we do need more representation. And in terms of your question, where are we? Well, it's a mixed bag. Okay, We need to, to grow in all areas. But this report really looks at seven. From Congress to state executive positions, all the way down to boards of educations for school districts and so forth. And it matters what you're looking up, looking at in terms of, of up and down. Do you want good news or do you want, where should well, we start? <laughs> let's start at the top and work our okay. way down. So we know that there's no representation in our federal delegation as far as women go. Zero. And we have six spots. And, and Mia Love was in there uh, the last report. So we were a little bit higher. Uh, but now we have none. And I and, think I was reading in your report that there was there's only been four women from Utah who have ever served yes. in Congress. That is and, a pretty tight club. And no senators, no women from Utah has ever served as a senator. Right now, about 26.5% of women are in Congress. And so when we compare Utah to that, of course, we have zero. So we're we're well beyond the, the national average. And, and Lindsay, what's so interesting is I, I talk to so many different women and I still have women saying, you know, one voice really can't make a difference. And I'm like, oh, yes, it can. And particularly at, at that Congress level. And we need at least one woman, if not really two in that um, six delegation of six so we need to do some work yeah well sometimes I feel like my experiences aren't really 
validated because I don't have a female representative, uh, you know, representing me in Congress. Like Mitt Romney and Senator Lee to, you know, they can't experience what I experience and they can empathize and sympathize, but it's different when you have that lived experience that you're trying to advocate for. Absolutely. No question about that. And what we know when we only have six spots and they're all men is that there are absolutely things issues, you know, when they back certain things, we know there are missing voices in there representing Utah when we're not supporting as a state some things that really would benefit families in the state businesses and other entities. So it's incredibly important that this next round we have really, and there's so many really qualified women who can could do such a good job in these roles and we need to help encourage and support them yeah so interesting okay so let's move down the line and and into our local state in our um executive positions so these are people who hold positions in our state government like the governor lieutenant governor uh uh, what was it auditor state auditor the treasurer those positions there is only one woman in those executive positions and last, there have been just a couple, actually, throughout time. Olene Walker was one. Um, and, you know, last time we actually had zero. So now we're at 20 because because there's not that many positions. There's like five that we count. And that one is, is, rep, is I was going to say representative. No, it's uh, Lieutenant Governor Henderson. Um, so just one person has made a difference there. Uh, across the nation, about... 30% are women. So even with her in office, that's 20%. We're still below the national average, but but made some improvement. And I'm just pleased that Lieutenant Governor Henderson is in there. Um, Going to be, you know, the last time we had someone in there was Olene Walker, right? And so that's been a number of years. Yeah, it really does make a difference. Um, okay, and then moving to our local municipalities. Uh, let's take a look at mayors. We forgot Oh, one, what did though. we miss? I skipped a big important one (laughs) and that is our state legislature oh right 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 of course and that's so important for many reasons um but that the work that our state legislature does is just critical but also another element why it's important is that that percentage is is one that is looked at in all the rankings that come down and compare all the states and of course utah comes out close to the bottom in many of those rankings. But that's one of a number of things that are pulled in. And so they look at how many women are in power. I'm putting that in quote marks. And that state legislature is what's looked at. And it's interesting because we have a table in our report. And if you're interested in the report, utwomen.org, you can get there. We have a table that tracks that clear from the 70s. And what we found is that even last year in 2020, we had made a little progress. We were ranked 32nd. Doesn't sound that great, but that was some progress. But with the last election, we had some fabulous women who retired and many that ran. But when it all kind of shook out, we lost, women lost one seat, which means we went from 32nd last year in the nation to 40th. So that even one person again matters. So and that's in the um, bottom of all the states across the nation when yes. you think about it. And, and you think about too just 
how your state representatives represent your area in the state government. Like it's so important to have that voice there. Dr. Susan Madsen with the uh, Utah Women and Leadership Project. We're running through uh, some of these stats of uh, women in politics in Utah. Um, I want to pause here, but I want to dive back in uh, to some more of the numbers when we come back on The Mom Show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. My guest today, Dr. Susan Madsen. She is with the Women in uh, Leadership Project now at Utah State University. And they study women's issues here in the state of Utah. And they have some fantastic reports on really the state of women in Utah. And today specifically, we're talking about uh, women in politics in Utah. They just released a fascinating uh, study all about the numbers, how many women represent us in the different uh, legislative bodies, our state legislature, our federal delegation, which we know is zero, uh, down all the way to our city councils and how many um, women are in each city councils in the different municipalities. So Dr. Madsen, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. So uh, I would love to talk about counties now, if that's okay, if we can dive in, because one of the things that's super interesting in Utah, and I don't know if this is the case in other states, but uh, in what I've observed in Utah is women often don't talk about, in fact, a lot of people don't talk about the county service. You talk about the cities and towns, you talk about the state, you talk about Congress, but the counties kind of get missed by women, and you can see that in the numbers. So in 2017, of county commissioners, 4.3% were women. The good news is this, that now, as of this year, we're 11% women of county commissioners. That's still not so many, but at least we're going in the right direction. But a lot of women don't even think of serving in those roles. And there are some counties with county councils. And those have increased about 3 or 4% as well. We're up to about 20% of the county councils are women, uh, which is really different than, than the cities and towns. But, um, but, you know, there are some really important roles in county government. They really do different kinds of things than municipalities. So we need to be talking about that more with women. There are many committees and, and commissions with zero women in those conversations. And what a, a shame because they, they just women often have not every woman, not every man. But we have different experiences. We have different perspectives. We care about things differently than men. We really do. In the research around state legislatures, the, the states that have more women in the state legislature, they actually give more money to things like education and health care and social programs like homelessness and, and, you know, helping victims of sexual assault and those things. So, uh, and we don't have as many women. And that theme really plays out not only in the state legislature, but in decisions made at county and municipality levels, too. I do want to circle back to our state legislature because I think that's, uh, uh, you know, right now this the session is happening. And so yes. uh, policymakers are up there trying to decide how to use our tax dollars and how uh, to, and what policies are best policy right now. And when you look at the makeup of our state legislature, um, 
Well, you can talk to me about the women representation, but just from a party representation, we have a super majority Republican state legislature. And so with the lack of women and the lack of diverse parties, it can be really hard for some people to feel like their voices are heard because there's one dominant party and one dominant gender making all the decisions. Absolutely. And what's interesting when you t- when you talk about the p- party politics, so let's talk about that for a minute. What is so interesting, and this is not just Utah, but you'll see how it plays out, but across the United States, many, many more women come up through the Democratic Party than the Republican Party. And you actually see that even in Utah, even though we're so heavily Republican, you see a a really uncharacteristic number uh, coming up of women who serve in our state legislature. There's great, great women uh, that serve that are Republicans and Democrats. But but when you look at the kind of, you know, the the percentage of Republicans and Democrats, we have more women coming up to the Democratic Party and not nearly as many in the Republican Party. So that plays out interestingly in Utah, but it's not just a Utah theme. So, you know, and and sometimes that's the whole conversation about conservatism versus liberal Um and I have a lot to say on that issue, actually. But, <laughs> we'll but save we it. We've, we've got this. plenty of shows to do, Susan. I will <laughs> okay. give you a microphone. But talk to me about the makeup of state legislature, our state legislature here in Utah, when it comes to women representation. So we, in terms, in, in fact, I don't have the numbers exactly. How many are, I think they're in the report, though, but I don't have them on the top of my head. How many Republicans and how many Democrats? It looks like in 2021, 17.2% of Utah senators, just five of 29, are women, and four of those five are Democrats. So think about that. Um, and then almost 27% in the House um, and 12 are Democrats and eight are Republicans. So you would think by looking at that numbers, we're in a, a heavily Democratic state. Um, but it's it's great. I work with women on both, you know, Republicans and Democrats uh, because I work really on issues that relate to gender, that relate to women and families. And what I love is that women and some men, but mostly women I work with, are really interested in helping families and helping the the issues that we talk about with women. So isn't that interesting to look at that? Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that's where we can really make a difference. If we start taking care of some of the things that are like stressing us out as families, if we make it a little easier for families, like, don't you think society in general will prosper? Like we'll work harder. We won't be so burnt out. Like let's make it easier to find childcare. Let's make it easier to, uh, I can't even think of other things I want, <laughs> but no, just... there's so many, so many of those issues that, and there are a few that are being addressed right now. There's some conversations on the childcare for many, many years. Childcare hasn't been something that the legislature has wanted to address because there's an assumption and we call it, I don't know if you've read my editorial uh, last month on the danger of a single story. I don't know. Uh, um, but uh, you talk about that we picture one thing. So, like, let's not worry about the wage gap because 
you know, everybody is has two parents in the home and probably the husband is working. And but we make these assumptions when in reality we have a huge population of single parents of families that are just not the normal structure. And so not addressing some of these issues impact thousands and thousands of lives. So I believe we're going to get closer to making some policy changes on childcare. There's some, I mean, things like sexual assault. Most sexual assaults really are against girls and women. Um, and there's some against boys and men. But when we think, well, that's not our issue, it is our issue, it impacts people. One in six girls or women have been or will be raped in the state of Utah. We're one of the worst in the nation on that. And not addressing how how to help prevent those things and how to help, you know, that's just a disadvantage to all of us. And it's a disadvantage to families because if someone as a young girl goes through this horrendous sexual assault and and thousands of women experience this that will continue to influence them the rest of their lives and influence often in negative negative ways their everybody around them including their own children so i'm off on on one topic here but in general there's a lot of family friendly policies and legislation that can move forward to help with child care but also other leave policies and and various things that are are moving some of those to the legislature um, uh, from both sides of the aisle, right? There's some support. Maybe if we had a little more help, we could get some more women in some of these positions because (laughs) their kids would be cared for and we would have a little more balance there. Absolutely. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Women in Leadership Project uh, talking about the state of women in politics in Utah. I want to dive in a little bit, Dr. Madsen, when we get back on why women don't run, what the benefits are of running, um, some of the challenges they face. So we'll do that when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. (laughs) And then someone hands you a baby. (laughs) This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us today discussing the state of women in politics in Utah. This is a topic that interests me just because I always feel like we need more female representation. And frankly, as a woman in Utah, I would like someone to have my back on issues that are important to me. So um, joining me, Dr. Susan Madsen of the Women in Leadership Project at Utah State University. They have done extensive research on women's issues in Utah and specifically just released a report talking about how many women we have in government positions and state leadership positions from our congressional delegation, our Senate delegation, all the way down to our school boards. So we've been running through some of these categories, Dr. Madsen. We talked about, um, you know, our federal delegation obviously is lacking uh, female representation, and there's only been four uh, congresswomen 
ever from the state of Utah and zero female senators ever from the state of Utah. That is so, so true. We yeah. need to change that, Lindsay. Yeah, that's, that's just a staggering statistic, I feel like. Um, but we talked about the makeup of our state legislature as well. And then moving kind of down into the more local levels, the counties, the mayors, the municipalities, the school boards, what are you seeing in terms of female representation on that local level? So we talked about counties, but when you really get down to the municipalities, which includes cities and towns around the state, the good news is that we actually jumped by 9% in terms of women now serving as mayors. So there's 248 municipalities in the state, and now in this new year, currently uh, 43 are women. Now, I have to say that's a big jump, but we only jumped to 17.3%. So 9%, but that's that's some real encouragement uh, that we have some different voices in there. And so I look at that as a win. I'm hoping by the time we do this report in three more years, it'll jump another 9%, but that's a win. And we did see um, an increase up to almost 30% now of women on city and, and town councils. And so that's interesting to look at. Um, and we didn't have a clear pattern in terms of are they showing up in the biggest cities or in the smaller cities or whatever. Um, our biggest chunk was uh, the cities that are around 30,000 to 65,000. So that medium-sized kind of city that's where we, we hit about 43% there. Well, so, and correct um, me if I'm wrong, but isn't it Sandy City Council that has yes. all women except for one? There's one yes. man on that city council. And I read that statistic and I was like, do you know what's so fascinating about that is that that's still surprising to people. It's still like newsworthy almost that there's an entire city council that's all but one. But if it was all men and one woman, we wouldn't even bat an eye. Like we oh, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a thing. So right now we have 47 of these councils that still have zero women. 47 have zero women. And so so that's, I mean, and people think that's kind of normal, but you're right. So back in the day, I think it was like the early 1900s, Canab had a all women city council and it was actually a little bit of a joke when they did that but then they took over took it seriously so that was the only time in this history but i believe this sandy city council is the first of its kind you know other than the canab uh, so it'll be so fascinating um, and i hope those women really use the time that they're in there to really push through things that they really feel feel really driven to do, which I hope they do. I'm sure they will. Yeah. So that is so those are the two main things that we really look like look at at the, those levels, um, um, which is great. And and we in general, you know, there's recorders and some of the municipalities have recorders and treasurers that are elected too. And we always see those are higher uh, with women. We do see that. So, so that's, do, oh, go ahead. Forgive me for interrupting. Where do you see, so what I noticed about the research was that there were a lot more women on these local levels, like you said, the treasurers, the auditors, the um 
and then in some of these uh, city council, town council positions. But as you work your way up the ladder towards the higher executive positions, there are it seems like, and yes. correct me with them if I'm wrong, fewer women at those executive levels. So do you think this is a just a matter of time where these women will sort of work their way through the system? And or, you know, is it just that we still don't elect women to these positions? Well, as some of it is we don't elect women, but some of it is also we don't have as many women running for those positions. So you have to have more women run to elect more women. And a lot of the research in the United States say that men and women are elected pretty equally into many of these positions, but because there's less women that run, then you don't get more women in those positions. So it is interesting to look at that. And your question about, we don't actually track this data, but it's an interesting question. Like how many women or men for that matter, right, move from these municipalities up to those other positions? There are some that do, but oftentimes people in the state legislature don't necessarily start in city or county. So I think it's a mix. One of the things I'd love to see, Lindsay, the only category we haven't addressed yet are boards of education. And even if you hadn't seen the report, your guess probably would have been, ah, I bet there's more women on those boards, right? Um, so at the state level, the state board of, of education, we're about 60% women. So we're slightly above the national average. And around the state on, di on school district boards of education, we're 47.6. So pushing that 50%. So oftentimes we do not see, however, that people, especially women on school boards, specifically move that over into other elected positions. Now, if we could do that, if we could empower those women and have them interested in moving over and moving up, then I think we'll, we would get someplace. So well, let's dive uh, into that a little bit, Dr. Madsen, because I kind of want to know the why behind this. We've talked about a lot of the numbers uh, of women in politics in Utah, but talk to me about what your research has found about why women run or why they don't run. Great question. So we actually have done two, two different reports, two different full studies. One, the one that you, we've been talking about that has the numbers and statistics, we've got to know where we're at. But in January, we, and by the way, I do want to acknowledge uh, Hannah Payne and Maren Christensen, who were the real force behind uh, their co-authors with me collecting this data. So thank you for that. And then going back to um, our other reports. So we have another report where uh, Representative, Representative uh, Candace Perucci, she was a, a report um, researcher and also Dr. Uh, April Townsend. like to give my female colleagues some good credit here. So what they did was collected qualitative data so narratives and stories from 118 women who are actually serving in different roles in public position and ask them. So what was fascinating, though, is they asked them, why did you run? So that's an important thing because a lot of women think, oh, I don't want to run, right? Um, because it seems hard. And But the number one category of the data that we pulled in was, why do you run? because I was asked to run. You don't see that nearly as much with men. Men, sometimes with men. But for women, when you go to the research, Lindsay, for, for women, it is so important uh, that we 
we actually ask them. So about 30 to 40% women need that more than men. They need someone to ask them. They're qualified just as much as men, and I would say more in some situations. But when uh, they ask me, and I have to tell you, Lindsay, in 2019, I actually, and I call it a nudge or a tap on the shoulder. I actually said to 12 women, you should run for office. And uh, 10 of them did, and seven of them won. But about five or six of them came back to me and said, it took three people to give me that tap on the shoulder. Like I said, you can do this. You And women, what the research says is we've got to ask women so we can think all day, hey, this woman would be great at this or this or this. But if we don't say, hey, Lindsay, and I'm serious, Lindsay, you should run for hard pass. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing to you, Susan. You should run. I, you know what? I, I have to, I really feel called to do the work I'm doing. So that's number one. There are three main categories on why women decided to run. Number one, they were asked or encouraged to run. Number two, that they really had this yearning inside to make a difference. And they really believed that by serving in these roles, they could make a difference. And the third one, you're going to smile at this one. The third one is that they're getting more dissatisfied with the status quo. Like, and I think some of that is coming up even more and more when we see examples of people leading that are just not moving things or just ignoring these great and important issues and initiatives that we need particularly here in the state of Utah, to move things forward for our families. Yeah, that's such interesting research uh, that you guys found. Dr. Susan Madsen with Women in Leadership Project at Utah State University. Uh, when we come back, we'll dive a little bit more into some of the, the psyche behind uh, why women run or don't run and some of the challenges they face when we come back on The Mom Show. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. I've loved our conversation today with Dr. Susan Madsen, all about the state of women in Utah, in Utah politics, we should say, um, because they have research. They looked at how many women are running in the different um, leadership and governmental roles and our federal delegation and all of that and uh, have a report now for 2021. They have one from 2017 and 2014. Uh, Dr. Susan Madsen, you also have some qualitative data on some of the reasons women run or don't run. And you talked in the last segment about how they're asked, they have to be asked to run in a lot of cases. Um, and there were some, forgive me, I forget the other two reasons uh, the making a difference. They, women really felt that purpose and calling is so important to women. When when we we don't want to run for power most of the time or any of that, but if we feel we we can make a difference, we're going to step forward. Yeah, and I love that. And and so now talk to me about some of the challenges that women face, not only deciding to run, but once they're running or in office. Well, as you know, deciding to run is a big step, for, especially if you're doing it in your first uh, election. Um, and most of the time, women really struggle that with that because they're uh, afraid, and, and some men as well, of the what's going to happen. They're going to get criticized. People are going to talk about them. They're going to have personal attacks. And as you know, Lindsay, it's fascinating to look at the research or the just the news that women get more 
deeply personal attacks um, on their appearance, oh, right? Hands down. And on- when is the last uh, time you can remember the tie you saw in your state legislature? Yeah. State but legislature. You- <laughs> The jewelry, the shoes, you know, all of those things. But also women, and and I hear this absolutely from women who are serving an office or ran for office, they get questions that men never do. And usually those questions are, how can you really do this if you have three kids still at home? Like what, how are you going to make that work? How on and on and on when in, it's so rare that, that men ever get any questions like that. And so women feel like they have to justify that. So those barriers, especially running for office, um, all of those relate to a big thing that came out in our study. And that is really the gender bias. And some of that is conscious, Lindsay, but a lot of it is unconscious. That's where I it's feel like just... we're at, Susan. Yeah, is the unconscious bias. It's like, do you notice yourself looking at a man on TV and listening to what he's saying and look, looking at a woman on TV and looking at what she's wearing? And I will be frank, I do this too, but I cur- I check myself when yeah. I do it. And then I stop and I listen to what she's saying. But I think it's it takes time for those kind of biases to turn over and it does. And and Lindsay, I have to say that women wear much more interesting things too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh that dress But is who funny. decided that we have to wear makeup you know? and like dress up and like look pretty? Like nobody said that that was a thing men have to do. But we have so many unconscious. Most of what I have people sometimes because I teach unconscious bias training say I think I have a few unconscious bias. Actually, when you look at the research, almost everything we do is unconscious. And it comes from our socialization. It comes from what we saw our mothers and fathers do in elementary school, our neighbors, people at church. And we just assume. And the biggest assumption we make, and even a little more than the nation, I think we do in Utah, is that a leader in our minds looks like a man who is white and tall. And that is not just in Utah. And so when we see or hear of a woman running for office, it, it, it's a double take because that's not natural for us. We're like, why is she out there in front of the camera? That's not her role, you know. So And, and sometimes that's subtle. Even for those of us that have been in this conversation for years and years, we still have those biases. Yeah, that's so interesting. What, what other biases have you noticed that, is a struggle for women because that question of um you know how are how are you gonna do it how do you do it how do you do it with your kids and all the time you have to give like your point that nobody asks men those questions is like so spot on I notice unconscious bias too when I'm like in a group setting with my husband like maybe at a function you know this is pre-pandemic obviously and people will ask him all the time what do you do what do you do what do you do and nobody asks me what I do (laughs) Nobody asked me. They just assume I either I stay home with kids or yeah. yeah, they and that is one area I think is so small and so minute, but where you can check yourself the next time you're in a social setting, not six feet apart, and you can safely say, what do you do to the women in the conversation, too? Absolutely. I think it's really important. And there's there's been a number of studies, even for women. Let's just say one study I remember is for women physicians. So when you go to events. People will often, if you have a group, they'll say, here's Dr. Jones, Dr. Smith, and they're all men. So doctor, doctor, and then you get to the woman, and then you say, and Janice. 
And she's actually a doctor as well. Um, but because there's, there's all kinds of gendered language kinds of things. And even um, I have heard stories of female legislators being called girls and other and men next to them being called senators or representatives or or let's let's listen to girls and and those kinds of things are and we think oh some people think those that's not a big deal actually the research is clear that those words matter to people themselves but also for the respect of people around around us so and when so, you add up all of those biases yeah. when you make when they're all a thing you can feel like you have cement blocks on your legs and you're trying to get where you're going like all absolutely. of them matter yeah and women also some of the challenges women think carefully about their time commitments and so oftentimes as we know just generally with work and even non-work that women do really take the brunt of the unpaid care work. And so we see that as well when, when, when women work full time, that still they're doing this, what's called the second shift and do more. It's interesting in the pandemic because uh, there was one study that 70, like 75% of men said that they do half now in the pandemic of the, the, the work in the home, but only 44% of women said there's their partners do half of the work. Wait, so. you do do half the dishes, but like, do you have to be told to do the dishes or do you remember to do the dishes? And I'll be honest, my husband does all the dishes in my home and I love You've it. T- I think you told me that I know, the last so time. Good. So, so that, that time commitment to try and fit in one more thing. And that's why I really, when I do leadership development, help women understand their purpose and what's really pulling on their hearts to do that. Because sometimes, even if you're worried about time commitment, if you feel that pull that you need to step forward and do that, then then that, that wrestle kind of lessens. And I have to say one of the biggest things for women to serve in public office, um, one of the challenges is that they have to run. And running does not sound fun to most people. Although I, I, do, I have met people that really do like the door-to-door, of course, pandemic is different. Um, but what an exhausting thing to do. And I, women, by, and by the way, women sometimes struggle with asking people to help them. You know, and men don't as much. Yeah, I can totally understand all of these reasons for not wanting to run. However, um, it's important that we talk about these challenges so women can feel heard and seen and be like, oh, okay, well, she feels that way too. I'm not crazy and I can get over that. So Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women and Leadership Project at Utah State University. Fascinating research. Thank you so much for laying it all out for us today and keep up the good work. And thank you for joining me on The Mom Show. Thanks so much, Lindsay. And we'll be back next week.